you're on a hot date with Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. Struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. So you know how you text your friends and ask them what to wear on the first date, how to respond to a text from your crush, or to weigh in on whether you should post a certain pic on the socials? Yeah, that's what we call your village, and we think you cannot date or relate without them. Join our village because we're serving you expert guests who are filled with tips and tricks that will take some of the guessing out of the game. Make sure you subscribe and share our pod with your friends so we can help the village grow bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend or two or four. Thanks, Najen. Welcome. Boundaries. You don't realize how difficult they are to make until you've lost track of what they are. We have all been in relationships where our boundary lines blurred or disappeared because we wanted to be, you know, the cool girl. If you've let your significant O text their ex, acted like you didn't want the commitment more than you really did, or played it off like you were fine with the fact that the person you are casually dating is still casually dating other people, then you'd be lying. You're a bunch of liars. We've all done it. But... After you listen to this show, you'll be able to draw a clear line in the sand and say goodbye to the old cool girl who is crying on the inside because we have our guest, Terry Cole, in to discuss how to speak your truth with ease, her tried and true strategy to uncover when the past is negatively impacting the present, how to navigate conflict with the recognize, release, respond strategy, and how to create a boundary blueprint so you can become a boundary boss. Terry Cole is a New York-based licensed psychotherapist, relationship expert, and founder of Real Love Revolution. Boundary Bootcamp and the co-founder of Crushing Codependency, her female empowerment courses reach women in over 90 countries. Prior to her current incarnation as a love and boundaries expert, Terry was a bi-coastal talent agent negotiating endorsement contracts for supermodels and celebrities. Her eventual disenchantment with the world of entertainment led her to change careers in her 30s to become a psychotherapist and empowerment expert. She has since made it her mission to teach as many women as possible to establish and maintain effective boundaries with ease and create and sustain healthy, vibrant relationships. For the past two decades, Terry has worked with some of the world's most well-known personalities from international pop stars, athletes, Broadway performers, and TV personalities to thought leaders and Fortune 500 CEOs. She empowers over 250,000 people weekly through her published articles and blog posts, illuminating videos, therapeutic meditations, online courses, and her popular podcast, The Terry Cole Show, which we hope you listen to right after this one. Yes, chock full of info. Terry's approach combines the best of practical psychology and Eastern mindfulness practices. She has a gift for making complex psychological concepts accessible and then actionable so that clients and students achieve sustainable change or true transformation. She's been featured as an expert therapist and master life coach on A&E's Monster-in-Laws, oof, TEDx, The Lisa Oz Show, Real Housewives, and had a weekly radio show on Hay House Radio plus a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, Positively Positive, The Daily Love, Well and Good, and has been featured in Italian L, Forbes, Origin, Vogue, Self, and was honored to grace the cover of Inspired Coach Magazine. She is helping us break free from over-functioning, over-delivering, 
people-pleasing, and ignoring your own needs so that you can finally live the life you deserve. Welcome to the show, Terry. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. First off, before we dive into everything you're going to teach us today, we need to know what is your relationship status, single, in a relationship, or it's complicated? In a relationship. Lovely. And how did you meet this person? I actually met my husband. We've been together 24 years on a blind date. (gasps) We love those. I don't know why (laughs) we do, but we do. It's like, because we want, blind dates are hard. It's like, I've been on, I've been on them. And I actually went on a blind, blind date. Like my friend's like, I have this person. I'm going to set you up. Do you actually want to just see a picture? So you know what the person looks like, like when you walk (laughs) into the restaurant, I was like, nope. And it was really hard. They're hard because you're, it's like, you know, it's taking a lot of chances. Like if you see a picture, you're like, oh yeah, you know what? I just don't think I can be attracted to that guy. You're like already just taking out the like factors of like, this isn't going to work. But when you go really blind, like it's hard to make that work. Did you know, like when you saw your husband, were you like, oh, this could work or this is the one <laughs> or was it like a slow burn? It was actually, I was a talent agent at the time, um, and it was one of my clients who was a real player, or thought he was, um, and was always trying to get me, you know, to do something with him, and I was always like, hell no. And then one day he said, you know, you should really go out with my high school best friend. He's nothing like me. I was like, well, if he's nothing like you, I'd consider it. And we, I went out, and that that was that. <laughs> oh, love that. Up. So that was the guy I was going to say, I thought you were going to say it was, you married the guy that was, that you were dealing with directly at first. And that that was his tactic to be like, I'm going to set you up with someone else. And then you went, Oh no, actually I don't want to date you. I love that. Oh my God. So you have that guy to thank. <laughs> I do. I, I forever and ever and ever. I, I feel that way. <laughs> Cause I really never wanted to get married and never thought that I would get married. I didn't get married until I was about 35 and I was really pretty happily single you know, had a nice big career, you know, was do, was like doing my thing in life. And I'd had enough relationships that were like super unsatisfying where I was like, yeah, I'm not doing no more unexamined minds. Like that's it. No more men who have not had like a shit ton of therapy. And my friends are like, good luck. You're never finding that. And I literally said to my friends, I'm not dating anyone who hasn't had like 20 years of therapy. And they were like, all right, well, you're nuts. And on the first date with, um, actually the second date with Victor, my husband, I was like, so, uh, what, what are your thoughts about therapy? And he's like, oh, I'm a big fan. I was like, how big? He's like, well, I've had a lot of therapy. I was like, about how much? He was like, at least two decades. I was like, okay, I guess date three can happen. <laughs> wow. That is like, think about how you put that out in the universe and how specifically that came back. Cause Jen, you want to chime in here? Hello. You're always like, I am not dating you unless you've gone to therapy. You sound exactly like Jen. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll tell you why I think, especially with having this podcast, what ends up happening is, is they like come to me for advice and see me as a teacher instead of a romantic interest. And then it's like not fun for me to date and definitely not sexy if somebody's just bearing their problems to me or if I can smell them from a mile away and I'm like, oh, person, please check yourself in somewhere and then revisit this later because I'm not, I'm not that person for you. Like right. I, I totally understand that, you know, for better or for worse and all of that, but like at least come somewhat for better to start so that then we can experience life together and the ebbs and flows versus I need to clean you up. Exactly. And and that's also all boundary issues. 
I was just going to say, can we even start talking about boundaries? Because we're really excited to talk about your new book, Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. This book, I feel like, is for everybody. But <laughs> and boundaries are so freaking hard. Like, I am bad at them. I have realized after even, like, reading just, so, like, the bare minimum, like, just a little <laughs> snippet on your website. I was like, oh, my God, I have a boundary problem. Like, this is not good. So I think this book is, like, for everybody, correct? Yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's written, you know, my, my most of my experiences with cis women. So that's... That is literally my actual experience. And in the book, there's a lot of case studies. So it wasn't to exclude others. It just happens to be though that is my experience. But the truth is anyone can benefit from the strategies and the way that it's broken down. Because it really is. I've been teaching this for five years in a big, massive course. And then took all of that and you know my history for 25 years as a therapist and poured it into the book to make it as easy as possible or accessible is what I want to say, right? Where there's complicated, it, it's complicated, right? Boundaries are complicated. The myths around boundaries are so many. Everyone thinks it means being harsh, um, saying no all the time, pushing people away, which of it's not that at all. But that is really what we think. And so I think that it's really um, a way to inform people of what does it actually mean to have healthy boundaries. That's the beginning. And then I teach you how to do it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when I set a boundary, people misinterpret them. And it, for me, it's usually coming from a good place because I want to continue having a relationship with you, but I'm just like figuring out how to do that and tread in a way that's healthy for both of us. But other people see it as you putting your hand out and saying like, stay away or like distance or that it's too tough of love or that I'm too tough and like um, picky or I don't know, there's like run the gamut. My mom specifically, and this is not obviously a romantic relationship, but she just sees my boundaries and barrels through them. And I'm like, I speak such clear English. It's not, I, I couldn't be more clear as a human being. And I'm very careful with my words when it comes to setting boundaries. So I'm often confused by some people's um, reception of those. But in terms of romantic relationships, why are they so important to set regardless of how difficult they are to set? Well, I, I don't think that the truth is in relationships that don't already exist in new relationships. I don't think they are that hard to set. I think that it's it's harder to, when you're in an established boundary dance, to change the dance. And of course, I can teach you how to do it, but that's slightly more complicated because you already have a well-worn way of interacting. In romantic relationships, a lot of times we're going into it, you know, with our best foot forward, so to speak. We don't want, we're worried about what the other person, how they're perceiving us, or we're wanting it to be a positive experience. So we mistake that sometimes with wanting to be like, I'm easy, you know me, low maintenance, that type of a feeling or that feeling, you know, like when you're trying to be the cool girl, kind of. Yeah, like, uh, we, yeah. that is, yes, I can completely <laughs> relate. Please expand. <laughs> well, here's the thing. If we're sort of agreeing to things, we're going along to get along, we're saying yes when we kind of really would rather say no, what we're really doing is misleading someone. They think that you're telling the truth. And so even if we're doing it under the guise of wanting to be easygoing or wanting to be nice, if we're actually abandoning 
ourselves in the process. That's going to come through in some way. Or two years down the road, you wake up and you're like, wow, super unhappy, feel like this person doesn't know me at all. I wonder why. Well, I can tell you why. So with romantic relationships, being, you know, doing it early and often, especially if you're dating now, is totally doable and really important because someone else will reveal their true self or what they're capable of when you assert your, and let's just together, so we're all on the same page of what it means to have good boundaries. I'm just going to give you my definition. It means that you know your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers. Those are the things that make up your boundaries, and those are the things that make you uniquely and amazingly you. Okay, so, and and that is a perfect explanation. People should have that little checklist in their brain when they're going like, hmm, this thing bothers me, or I don't think I can move forward, or no, I'm okay with that because it's checking all these boxes. How Mm -hmm. do I, this is like a problem that I'll speak for myself about, but like, I'm sure other people can relate, like, if there, let's say I'm dating somebody and I'm actually in a committed relationship and I have a baby and all that. But like when I was single, I remember feeling this way or dating, like I'm dating you and this thing comes up that like I is making me uncomfortable, right? Like, let's say you're texting your ex-girlfriend a lot or something, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Ugh. but like, and of course I want to be the cool girl. I don't want to act like, oh, that's really bothering much me much more than it should because now I'm revealing that I have these deeper feelings than I, maybe that might scare you off type of a thing or, and, or maybe I am jumping to a conclusion. Maybe this texting the X thing is there's like, maybe there's some sort of an explanation. And if I just say, nope, you're texting your ex. That's my boundary. I'm done. Like, what if I'm cutting somebody off that I shouldn't be saying no to, and I'm being a little too harsh? Like that's my fear. Right. But, but look at how, how you phrase that and how you just put that is very revealing as to how you fear other people will respond because there is so much gray area between having no conversation and saying you're texting your ex and I'm out and saying zero, right? There is so, so many places in between where you can just make an honest inquiry. Hey, you've talked a bit about, you know, still being in touch with your ex, whoever. Um, Can you share with me about that? Okay. What is the, you know, is it a friendship? Is it a, um, I have some, you know, and, and you can share your own background. Here's the thing. If it makes you uncomfortable, and I don't mean in the beginning of dating, you, you don't know yet, but if you feel like an ex still is in the position of the primary relationship in that person's life, of course, that's going to make you uncomfortable if you're dating them because you're wanting to be in the primary relationship right? The primary position. So I I guess part of it is there's nothing wrong with you you being inquisitive about it without making the assumption, but we have to ask the question or share our feelings. Even if you don't know, you can say something super like, I wasn't sure. I'm not really making anything of it. I just wanted to see if you would tell me, are you guys good friends still? Is it, you know, whatever you can ask. And I'm not saying do that on like the second date, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's lots of things in between ditching someone prematurely. Right. And, and whatever. 
Yeah, you don't have to just write somebody up like, oh, well, texting an ex is on my list of boundaries. Well, yeah, like gray area, meaning like, okay, but like how if it's romantic still or whatever, that's actually a good point you made. Like they're holding, if they're holding a primary position in the person's life that you're dating, like that might be a huge boundary for a lot of people, but you have to sort of approach a conversation and see, engage what's actually going on before you just start like Xing things off your list because of this boundary thing. So clearly there's gray area and that makes it a little less scary and overwhelming when you put it that way. It's not just like you have this boundary and you can't let someone cross it. <laughs> right. Exactly. But then also, can't you just like, I mean, isn't the start of a boundary just saying what you're comfortable with, seeing how they react. If they continue, then you reevaluate, you know, your dynamic or you continue to let them know. And I think like even in regular like work relationships, you know, it's trying to figure out how to communicate so that you get what you want from somebody where everybody's happy and not what you want in like a controlling way. But like, you know, you obviously want to achieve desired results, let's just say. So in a romantic situation, I guess me being the person currently still dating, um, if I were to start dating somebody and they're texting an ex or doing something that makes me uncomfortable, let's just say this is a script. I start by saying like, your what you said being inquisitive and then moving on to okay well that actually you know makes me uncomfortable and this is why see what they say and if they're kind of like well screw you that's your problem if you're uncomfortable then you know maybe they actually don't care about your boundaries or your feelings but if you then say or they're like oh yeah no no, there's nothing to be worried about or yeah she's trying to get back with me then you approach the next part of that and say something like well it makes me feel uncomfortable because I want to see how this progresses and I feel like that's kind of interrupting what we've got going on. It would make me feel better if we can focus on us and she was not part of the equation. And then like, that's a subtle way of saying, don't talk to this person. Right. Well, yes. And, and I don't know that, you know, I mean, yes. In the communication, two things I want to say about what you were saying in work situations, we're negotiating for what we want. Right. And and we want people to know us as well. In romantic and life situations, a lot of times we share our preferences, our desires, our limits, or our deal breakers. It's really not to control what the other person is going to do. So much of it is about revealing who we are. It's allowing the people in our life to know us better. So when we play the cool girl thing or we say like, I'm easy breezy, you know me, then we're not allowing them to know us accurately, succinctly. So I think that it's valuable to really look at, because a lot of people feel like uh, creating boundaries is like, I win or you win. You know what I mean? Like not all boundaries are created equal. So it's like some, you know, we, I have them in phases, but when you get to your deal breakers, those are things that are non-negotiable for you and everyone's are different. So sometimes you can't meet in the middle. Because if you don't want to be with someone who's actively drinking alcoholically and that person won't stop, then there's like no meeting in the middle, right? You need to do what you need to do to protect yourself from that experience. But I think that communicating that, talking about those things, if you're dating someone, like let's talk about a deal breaker in dating. If someone goes into the dating world and they know for sure they don't want kids, that's definitely something that should be revealed. Before, if if you know it and you're in your 30s, let's just, I mean, I don't think you have 22, you don't have to say that. But I mean, getting to the age where other people are going to be wanting to decide to have children, that's not something 
that you can later on be like, well, we'll work it out later. Like you won't, if you for sure want to, and that other person for sure doesn't, that's like a non-starter, you know? So I think that understanding that your preferences, your desires, your limits, your deal breakers are incredibly personal to you, but the only way the people in your life can even begin to step up is if you if we communicate what those things are and then the people will reveal what they're willing to do so back to the original example of the person texting the ex they may be happy to tell you that it's actually not a problem there are no romantic feelings they've been fr- they've been broken up for a long time whatever there there may be some explanation that makes you go okay well thank you for sharing that with me and maybe you feel fine about it you know or they may be like none of your business and bye. And that also, all of those things reveal something to you about the other person and their boundaries, you know? Yeah. That, that revealing info. I mean, it, that's why it's hard. I think to set boundaries is because it feels sort of like it's hard to reveal like a vulnerable side of yourself. Admit that you're, you know, potentially saying, Hey, I really like you to this person, which hello, isn't this the whole point? But do you think that, Setting boundaries is harder for women because I'm just like throwing this out there. Like it feels as though women are supposed to like, we've been taught by society that like you need to be chased and you, you need to act cool or don't act too desperate or all these things, those little like mm-hmm. cliches that you hear, you know? So like setting a boundary and really setting a boundary in a healthy way and revealing yourself. Now I'm not saying it all has to be like, I want to get married to you. And that's my boundary. Like in a way it's, it's revealing vulnerability. Right. And there's this voice that we've been constantly told to kind of like not do that. Right. Like don't, don't act like this. Don't text him too fast. Don't sleep with them on the first day. You can't buy the cow milk for free. Like all that bullshit that we've been told. Mm -hmm. And then we're being asked to like, tell this person how we really feel and it's okay. And I'm totally about that. I just think that's why I'm bad bad with boundaries because of all those other little voices. So like, do you think it's harder for women because of that? Or is it like a case to case situation? I definitely think that it's harder for women and not necessarily because of that, partially maybe in the dating world, but it's really about the way that we've been socialized. So we've been socialized to be good girls to be nice, to not make waves. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, think about that niceness, at least when I was raised. It was like the virtue above all others was for other people to perceive you as nice. It isn't like anyone was giving you a prize for being authentic or for <laughs> being truthful or for, do you know what I mean? It's it's literally, you know, being valued. They're like, she's amazing. She'd give anyone the shirt off her back, you know? Like being self-sacrificing. Yeah. We were raised to be self-abandoning codependents. I mean, that's raised and praised. That's a fact. Speaking of codependency, how can we find out where we might fall on the spectrum of codependency and how to create those healthy, balanced relationships? Because I would assume there's like probably an evolution, like maybe we were once more codependent than we might be today, or maybe in certain we're certain uh, in certain relationships we're triggered by certain things more than other relationships, but are we only like a certain amount of codependent or can it vary? Yeah. I mean, codependency, it's something, there's quite a lot about this in the book as well, because by, I'll explain my definition of being codependent. So again, we're on the same page because a lot of times, you know, we hear these, 
these phrases and this terminology out there in the on the interweb. And yet I wonder, does anyone even really know what it means? So codependency means, according to me, that you're overly invested in the feeling states, the decisions, the outcomes, the circumstances of the people in your life to the detriment of your own either internal peace, your financial well-being, your physical well-being. So because as women in general, like we're definitely invested in those things for the people that we love because that's just being loving, you know. But if it's to the detriment where you, when your friend or your partner has a bad situation, if it feels like it's happening to you, if you feel the urgency to fix other people's stuff, to come up with the solution in an urgent way, that is codependency. And it usually also means a lot of times you can be in a relationship where you're over-functioning and the other person is under-functioning in some way. You might be really controlling. You might, um, you know, I mean, codependency itself is a covert or overt bid to control what is going on in someone else's life. So it's not the old school definition like Melody Beatty, codependent, no more, you have to be involved with an addict. Not that but it is feeling overly responsible for the people in your life. So if you're codependent, you definitely have bad boundaries because there's no way that you're codependent and have good boundaries because they can't coexist like that. Yeah, and getting clear on what all of these things mean is obviously the beginning of all of this because people throw around terms, oh, I'm dating a narcissist. It's like, do you even really know what that means? It doesn't just mean someone who's like conceited. That's not actually what that means. But <laughs> nope. if you, a lot of this stuff comes from like, past situations like okay like you even brought up like the way I was raised and like that and I'm thinking about all of the things okay yeah that sounds familiar to me because my mom may have told me this or my grandma may have told me that like how do you figure out if your like past is actually negatively affecting your present and like how do you even because you've got to start somewhere with like a a a you know, a basis to start from and then build from that to like recognize what the problem is even. Well, what I, how I teach it in my course and in the book is you have a downloaded boundary blueprint, which is exactly what you're talking about. So it's in your unconscious mind. And this is basically a paradigm of the way that you personally and very specifically and uniquely relate to boundaries. And that was built and influenced by your family of origin, country, culture, society, your role in the family system, how dysfunctional your family was and in what way, all of those things. That's what taught you as to how to relate to boundaries, whether it's in a romantic relationship, whether it's how you relate to boundaries with money, whether it's an internal boundary, which is how you relate to boundaries within yourself. All of that stuff is learned behavior. So if you had a, let's say a maternal impactor who was a people pleaser. You learn. We, we internalize this and go, oh, that's the way a woman is supposed to be. So we say yes when we want to say no, or we, we are really wanting other people to be happy with what we're doing, even if doing it makes us unhappy. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. <laughs> it absolutely does. But so then how do we, I guess, carve out a new boundary blueprint for ourselves correcting the woes from our past thanks to our people who mm -hmm. impacted us so greatly and really should have 
instead of, I think, going to school, we all should have just gone straight to the therapist. But seriously, here we are podcasting about it. (laughs) Well, with, you know, we create, you know, the whole process of becoming a boundary boss, according to me, is we are building that new blueprint. So I want you to visualize it like your boundary blueprint is like an architectural blueprint for a house that someone else designed could be like a century ago. And it just gets handed down from generation to generation. Like we're a family that interacts this way. So what we're doing in this process, and I give you um, this blueprint and it's right there in the book and it's right in the courses that I teach where there's a bunch of questions that you answer and you start to see in black and white what you learned. Like your blueprint starts to come into very clear view to you. And then you can go, oh, I realize that my my maternal, you know, my mother was, was a people pleaser. But I don't necessarily have to be that way. I can be more truthful. I can say no if I want to say no. So let me see. So how do I begin to say no? Well... Let's just stop the auto yes. That's the beginning of learning to be more honest. So I give you a bunch of scripts to just learn. Instead of just instantly agreeing to shit, you're most likely not going to want to do, and maybe you do want to do it, but it's like I don't want um, you immediately saying yes to anything if you're someone who struggles with people-pleasing, right? And so there, there is a process of learning this, and it's just one next right action at a time. But the whole thing is built on your awareness. So there's like the five pillars that I created of self-mastery, basically. But the first one is self-awareness. So as much as everyone is like, okay, so how do I do it? How do I fix it? You know, I'm like, you can't even think about fixing it until you really look and go, okay, these are the relationships in my life where the boundaries are a problem. And if you don't know what those relationships are, just all you have to do right now is think about which relationships do you feel resentment in? Yeah, that that you have to, it's too overwhelming to just think about like, okay, I have all of these problems that I want to fix. Like tell me, how do I fix them right now? Well, what is, where is the problem stemming from? Like look within, start from that beginning place. I can't even like, I mean, asking a question like, okay, well, where are you feeling resentment in your life? That makes it so much less overwhelming and more digestible than just thinking about like, I have all these problems, like just fix them for me. If you're gonna, we're gonna get there. Like you just need to start there. And a lot of people I think probably are yet, like you've mentioned people who just say yes or people pleasers, like that Mm -hmm. I think is me. And I think that that probably comes from like, maybe my mom is that way too. And it's also coming from like someone who wants to avoid conflict, right? Like if I just say yes, I'll be fine. Maybe even being the cool girl, that type of a thing. How do you, if someone wants to like navigate through conflict, like, and be able to express who they really are, you talk about like a recognize, release, respond strategy. And maybe that's like, the next step after you start to discover maybe where resentment's starting from? Like, is that something that you would do next in order to navigate through, you know, conflict so that it doesn't feel like you just have to say yes to avoid that? And like, what is that strategy exactly? Okay, well, I'll explain the strategy to you, but it's, it's basically recognizing what's not working for you, right? So something may happen because people will always ask me, how do I know if a boundary has been violated? 
And I'm like, your body will pretty much always tell you, even if you can't say anything in the moment, because sometimes we get, you know, when we feel threatened, we have the fight, flight, freeze response. And maybe you just can't say anything, but you know, if you think back, you know it, and you're going to feel resentful after the fact. So we're recognizing that something has happened. And then we're like, okay, is this something that's happening right now? Right? Or was I sort of activated because this reminds me of something in the past? Okay, so that's a whole thing. And I walk you through this in the book as well. So we're basically focusing on the feeling just to recognize that something has happened. Okay, now what do I need to do? Well, you have to step outside of your comfort zone, and that's the release, right? We're going to release it physically from your body, breathing deeply into that spot until it expands, but we're literally handling it right there in that moment. And so we're, we're releasing familiar limiting beliefs or patterns, maybe the way you would have done it in the past, which maybe you'd be withdrawn in anger, right? And just become silent and not talk to the person. We, in the releasing process, we also recognize, is this old stuff or is this, hap- is this what's happening right now? And if you can say, this is what's happening right now, then you can move into responding instead of reacting. So that's choosing to speak and act from a mindful, conscious place. So that means you might make a simple request that the person not talk over you, let's say. Um, you will state your preference or your desire or your limit and then take that new action. So that is, and actually in the book, this really doesn't happen until like the sixth chapter. So it wouldn't necessarily be the next step because you need to be able to figure out, is this historical? Because a lot of times we find ourselves in repeating boundary reality, as I call them. So have you ever been in a situation oh, where you're yeah. like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but, okay, before you move on to the next thing, I just have a question. Sure. Reacting without, so you said to like, respond without like reacting how Mm -hmm. that's hard for me like what if someone upsets you like so you can't like does that mean you can't react like I don't how what exactly does that mean I think that I get confused right there well it means you can have the reaction internally let's say so if you're upset but you don't want to react meaning like immediately punch someone in the face verbally right right we are being aware that there's usually more than one thing happening. So someone, quote unquote, doing something that upsets you, let's say, it's sometimes what they've done, that's part of it. But a lot of times, it's something else. Like there's almost always a parallel process going on. Mm -hmm. And so that's so much of what I teach you in this process is how do you clean up your own side of the street? You may be ultra sensitive to something that the person said because of something that's unresolved from your past that really has nothing to do with them. So it doesn't mean that you deny that you're upset. It means that you're going to take a moment to understand why you're as upset as you are. And that's okay if you remove yourself, if you say, hey, I need a minute, you know, I'm going to let's come back to this when cooler heads can prevail, or I'm upset right now and I, I want some time to think about the way that I feel. and come back. So what we're trying to avoid is having sort of the explosive reaction, because that's when we just keep repeating the same thing, is when there's no time in between the, the thought, 
the feeling and then the behavior. Right. And that's not a disarming way to approach somebody because as soon as you do that, they're, they're going to be defensive. So you can't yep. just, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Got it. Okay, great. And then often probably people might know that this is going to be the path. So they might even skip it and just be appeasing of whatever the situation mm-hmm. is, which is the boundary that we're missing. Yes. So, so do you guys think it would be beneficial if we, if people find themselves in these repeating boundary realities, if I can quickly teach you how to figure out if you are repeating something from the past and what it might be? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we have this thing. It's, it's a quick tool that you can just put in your hip pocket for when you need it. But if you find yourself in a situation that is repeated or that you feel more upset than you think is actually warranted. Either we get mad really super fast or we get really mad. And you're like, I don't know. Like if you looked back on it, you'd be like, um, I was awfully agitated for what actually happened there. That Those are indications that really you're, you might be having a transference, which means you're, you are responding to something in this moment that is similar or reminding you of something from the past that is still hot in some way, that is still sticky in some way. So to figure that out, let's say it's a person that you're interacting with. You're going to say, who is this? Who does this person remind me of? So that's the first question. And this is just, it's called the three cues tool is what I call it. Like three cues, like questions. So who does this person remind me of? The second one, and that could be anything. That could be their energy, the way they look, how they're talking, what they're saying. It doesn't have to, they don't have to look like anyone. Second thing is where have I felt like this before? So you really have to dial into how you are feeling. And then the third thing is how is this behavioral dynamic, the way I'm interacting with this person, how is this familiar to me? Have I experienced it? Have I seen it? And if you can ask yourself those questions, you will start to get clarity on when you're having a transference. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Totally. So then when you, when you realize that you're having a transference, Mm -hmm. what do you do at that point? Or if you realize you're not having a transference and you just want to scratch Mm -hmm. someone's eyes out because they deserve it, (laughs) how do you handle that path? (laughs) Well, if you're having a transference about probably 50% of the urgency or, or the, the intensity of what you're feeling is going to be alleviated when you go, Oh, I was relating to my boss, like my punitive parent. I get it. I'm not 10. This person's not my parent. Okay. Back to work. Like it's so real when you're in it, like it is so real that just the realization is enough to remove a lot of the charge. But what it tells you, if you are having a transference, and you, that I just gave that example, let's say that's it, then you also know that there's a little bit more work to do about something in the past. So something about your relationship with that punitive parent is still somehow charged. So you have to look and go, okay, so why, why was that bothering me? The way this person was talking to me reminded me of the way my father used to talk to me. What part of that is un- did have I not figured out? Because why is it still charged? Or maybe it just surprised you that the person reminded you of them and that that's it. And it really is just a familiarity thing. So once you have the recognition, there's nothing else to do there other than not relate to your boss like you're 10 and he's your father. 
And usually the realization is enough for you to go, oh, okay, so I don't need to deal with that. If what you find is that it's legit and you want to scratch their eyes out because they deserve it, as you said, that's a different story. So this doesn't mean we never get angry. This doesn't mean we never confront someone. Doesn't mean we never do it with a little bit of heat. But if you're doing it with a clear mind, and here's the thing, if there is not a transference, the likelihood that you're going to get overly mad, meaning if the situation is uh, egregious, you will be as mad as that it makes sense to be mad for what the person has done. Make sense? Yeah. But you won't be having an amplified response. So, and then you can handle, put your boundary in place. That's unacceptable or not be friends with them anymore or whatever. You can, you can make your decisions based on what it is that the person did because everyone is different. You know, some people, if they feel betrayed, they're like, I don't want to work on this. Like, I don't think I can ever trust you again. For me, that's the end of the friendship, you know, and, and everyone is different. So I think it depends that that part is going to be pretty personal. Yeah, that makes sense. And now like, okay, let's just say, or actually let me rephrase this. Um, if we have those tools now, let's just say, is that what then helps us make our blueprint for boundaries or, or I guess, and do we need a different blueprint for every relationship or is it our blueprint moving forward just based on our deal breakers and all of those things? Is it just like a blanket blueprint? It's, it's really, I mean, listen, how we relate to everyone is going to be different because what's appropriate with your boss, someone who has power over you, would be different, a boundary, than what's, what, what you would draw with a lover or with a friend or with a sister, you know? So, so for each relationship, you will have a different way that you interact that's appropriate to that relationship. But the blueprint itself, will you make a decision about how do you want it to be based on how you want to feel? based on your values. You, you want to create this blueprint. So, and, and let, we could talk about something even as silly or as unimportant, quote unquote, as like tech, right? You're sitting with someone having dinner and they're on their phone. Now, the question is, if you're both on your phone, then you deserve each other. But if it's one person on their phone, you know, do you say, do you have a boundary around that yourself inside where you go? If, some, if I'm sitting with someone and they pick up their phone, I say, if that's important, I can wait, no problem. And if they say, no, no, I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, hell no, thanks. Um, I need you to listen with your ears and your eyeballs. For me, that that's just me. Like I'm busy. Like I don't. You would I don't say Terry. You would say like, oh no, hell no, or it depends uh-huh. on your relationship. Oh, okay. But your voice well, I, is calming. I, I feel like you could get away with that. What if someone else? Would, oh hell no. Like you need to. I mean, I guess if that's the way you want to say it, but sometimes it's like in the delivery too. Right? <laughs> no, listen. I would not. I would not say. It depends on the person. I would not say <laughs> hell no. I would say even if I barely knew you, I would say, no. Actually, I have no problem waiting until you're done. Right, and then I would wait. Saying, yeah, and then you're basically saying, like, do that because that you're not talking to me at the same time. You're not. I'm not going to talk to you at the same time. Your eyes are on the phone. I mean, nobody, yeah. like not one person. And I'm also not assuming that they're not doing something important. Right. If I'm out with a friend and they might have a babysitter, and I and I will specifically say, hey, 
If that's important, I'll wait until you're done. But my everyone in my life knows because I'm this is I'm I'm straight up honest. I, I'm also though not on my phone when you're talking to me because when I'm with you, I'm with you, and I give you a whole chapter in this book is all scripts, and one of them is how how do we say that to a friend? You may not be comfortable saying I'll wait or whatever. You can just straight up say. Hey, can I make a simple request that throughout our dinner together that you stay off your phone and that you just be here with me and I'll do the same because I really want to be with you. I really want to spend quality time with you and we can do whatever that is later. Yeah, that that is, I mean, there's a million ways I'm sure to say it that could work for you, but giving someone a script, like we have done that on this show. Jen has a great script (laughs) to like tell somebody after a date, hey, like, Um, you know, I just don't like see this being romantic that basically that's what it is. But the way she, we always give that script, like fill in what you want or what you don't want, but like (laughs) a good way to say it, that's so helpful because you can kind of make it your own. But when you give ideas to like disarm somebody and say like, Hey, this is my boundary. This is what I want. And PS, I'm going to give you the same respect. That is Mm -hmm. helpful because it makes them feel like it's not something you're demanding them to do. You're Mm -mm. saying, this is what I want. And I'm going to treat you the same way, like treat others the way you want to be treated. And it feels more fair that way. And it feels less like you're, you're getting mad at somebody and more like, Hey, this is like a special time for, it feels nicer for whatever reason. And it's just like a more approachable way to say it. Yeah, it is though. I mean, here's the thing. You can do you can do that version and I provide it for you in the book itself for everything. Like you can literally do any create any boundary that you want with kindness, with with ease, with grace, when appropriate with love. Right? There's never you don't ever have to be harsh or rejecting. And sometimes you might want to be if someone is really crossing a line. But generally speaking, when we're initiating boundaries, especially with the people that we love, we can always start with something positive, even if we're turning someone down, right? They're inviting us to something and we feel bad saying no, but we can't do it. We can always say, um, oh, I love, I, I so appreciate you thinking about me. And actually, I already have plans on the 10th. But thank you so much because I always have fun when we're together. Like, there's such, there's a million ways. And you can also use humor. And in almost every script set that I give you, I always give one way of just keeping it light. We, we can keep it light, especially with people that we're not that close to, right? Someone asks you in intrusive questions, like, how much money do you make? Right? We don't need to get offended by people because they will ask you the most ridiculous crap ever. Yeah. And they will continue to. So you might as well not get hot about it. If someone says, how much money do you make? You can be like, trust me, Bob, not half of what I'm worth. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's definitely true. But I have actually one (laughs) that I want to talk about very quickly is that we all have those people that come to us with the same problem over and over again and expect that we're just going to be their therapist and listen. Mm -hmm. And they don't really want your advice, but they position it like they do and they waste all of your time and it's a bunch yeah. of hot air. So I actually have a real life scenario that happened today with a guy that has been in my life like just in and out and, and now is more in a friendship capacity. But he has gone on and on indefinitely about like certain feelings about certain things. So I wrote him today mm-hmm. 
I say this with love. I can't hear about it anymore. It's hot air. Do something about it, please. Happy to hear about new problems and solutions, but not the same over and over again. It's not fair to me and definitely not fair to yourself. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a very direct way of doing it. I feel like there's other ways too. So that I'm giving a thumbs up on that because that's, that's the truth. You can also though, instead of, because here's the thing. It's not just that this guy is complaining. It's that you're feeling compelled to fix. You're feeling compelled to be like, well, you've made suggestions. I know you have, right? Oh, yeah. And also, I've actually been more direct previously, so this was not a surprise to him. Like, I've been softer in my approach in the past, but at this point, mm-hmm. I'm like, I truly can't take it anymore and in order to move <laughs> forward together as friends and have any sort of dynamic. And Lauren, we all have those girlfriends that come to us like in yes. the same capacity. It's like, we're just trying, we want to be your friend. We want to be there for you. We've given you everything, every tool in our box to share and countless hours, but like help you help me help you or help you help yourself because like what else? <laughs> what? I, I actually said at one point to this person, I'm going to start charging you. <laughs> well, also, well, like, I, I see this too, just to interject, like I, with the girlfriend thing, like I, Jen and I have a girlfriends that are similar in this way. I just haven't been clear about my boundaries. Like, so I just retreat and then like, maybe I don't answer the phone when that person yep. calls and then I get off the phone really quick. And that's not fair too, because I'm just not, I'm not being clear about my boundary. I'm just, I've let her be this way the whole time. So what the fuck is she supposed to be any different for all of a sudden, you know? Right. Cause she can't read your mind, but, but you can say like, literally you can say when, if the person comes in and is being disastrous, you don't have to say anything other than you can change the boundary dance by being like, I really don't know what you should do. I'm sorry that you're struggling though, but I have no doubt you're going to figure it out because really you're the only one who can. And Mm. stop taking it on. Like we feel like we have to be the fixers. And that is definitely a level of codependency. And most women struggle with it because if someone we care about is in pain, it makes us uncomfortable. We we don't want them to be in pain. You know, I mean, that's just reality. But if you actually change your steps in that boundary dance, it won't work anymore because I had a therapist years ago who explained to me what was happening. Cause I was the, you guys are talking about feeling like the, uh, what is it like a receptacle for all this toxic dumping basically yes. that she was like, well, here's the thing. They get off the phone and they feel lighter and better and great. And you get off the phone and feel like someone just barfed toxic waste on you because they did. And you let them. Yeah. So <laughs> How about you stop encouraging people to barf toxic waste on you? I was like, well, how? And she's like, stop giving advice. Stop telling them to do the shit they're never doing. They're never taking your advice. That's never happening. (laughs) And why don't you just go, I don't, I really don't know. What do you think you should do? You know, or, and then you can get more direct and like, hey, we've had a lot of, we've spent a lot of hours of our life talking about this. And it seems to be the same, but I do have faith that when you're ready and when you get there, you're going to figure it out. So in the meantime, let's talk about something else. Yeah, that's Terry. That is so good. Like I can think of 1000 billion times. I probably, no, not probably (laughs) should have said that because yeah, at the same time. And that's true. Like you're basically just saying in a nice way, Hey, listen, 
I'm not going to give you advice anymore on this because it's only something that's within you. And truly, sometimes that is the case. And after no, support, no, P.S. Hey, that's always, always the, case. the case. Yeah, and if you need my support, <laughs> I'm here for you. But after like a hundred times, maybe it needs to get to that point where you say, "Listen, that you're on your own on this one." And 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 I have faith that you can do it. Like you'll figure it out. Like I'm because talking, yeah. What makes uh, here's the thing that got me in my 20s, and this really changed my life. I had a brilliant therapist who was like. Let me ask you something, Tara. What makes you think you know what your sister needs to learn in this lifetime? Like you want to fix her problems because her problems are causing you pain. You think her life is a disaster and you've worked really hard in therapy to have a harmonious life. So it bums you out, her dumpster fire of a life. But that's her journey. So either step back from the relationship It's not your job. You cannot fix it. And you're literally taking away the urgency by by sending her money and doing all this other stuff that I was doing. She's like, you're taking away the urgency that she needs to figure it out for herself. You're not even helping her. Yeah. You just want your pain to end. And I was like, wow, that makes me feel way less like Mother Teresa, but okay. No, and that's actually a good point. I think if people just realize some of the things that might project onto others or just know at some point, like, listen, if you just maybe focus more on you and stop trying to help people because you might not even be equipped to do it. Yeah, maybe it hurts you, but like sometimes you just got to let people be them and accept the fact that they are this and they're different than you. And if that is short or... Um, not great or not nice or not what you want. Well, that's fine. That's not what you want, but that's them. So just accept the fact that they are who they are and stop trying to change it and help because you got to just go, if they're going to be in my life, maybe they're just this way. And if I need to pull back a little fine, but like, that's, that's it. Like you can't, if your dad is this way or your sister is this way or your mom is this way or whoever friends, like you could break up with a boyfriend, but people who you can't get rid of, like family or whatever. Like, yeah, sometimes you just have to accept this is who they are. And maybe I'm not the person to change them. I'm not mother Teresa. Like you said, this isn't going to, this is not our relationship. Or we can just compassionately witness where they are, hold space for them to figure it out for themselves. Not think that we know more than they do about their own friggin' life because we don't, right? you know? Yeah. And, and it, it really takes courage to, to witness and hold space for someone else. But think about how presumptuous it is, how presumptuous it is for, I mean, I, I did it all of my twenties. So it's, I'm judging literally nobody because I spent a decade doing it. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, but I can't tell you how much bandwidth was freed up for me to focus on my own life when I stopped micromanaging the crap out of everyone I know. Right. And you, sometimes I think people do it too, because they're trying to help other people because they don't want to look like it it does take courage to just like watch somebody and support somebody and just watch them go through something because you fear, Oh, well, if I don't help, it seems like I don't care, but that's actually not the case. And I think that's maybe probably where the courage comes in because it's scary in one part to just step back and say, okay, I'm going to support you, but like, you've got to do this on your own, however you want to state that. And that it could be, you know, it's less, you don't have control over what the outcome is and then what are they going to do or whatever. But at some, at some point you got to just say like, you're on your own kind of a thing. And it is scary, but just knowing that it's scary is kind of helpful to just, okay, this might be a little bit hard right now, but this is sort of what needs to happen. And if people want like help with, 
anything in general can like with boundaries. And we've talked about work relationships or mother daughter relationships or, you know, romantic relationships. If people want like anything boundary wise, they can join a boundary boot camp that you have. Right. So can you tell people like about that a little bit before we wrap? Yeah, you can, um, actually the, I would say the first, the first stop is definitely going to be the book. So just go to boundarybossbook.com because that's no matter where you are in the world, no matter what your situation is, there is definitely a step-by-step process for you in that. Um, and anything else that you want to find when it comes to courses and stuff, go to terrycole.com. But I also have a gift for you guys that I think your audience will really love. Um, and it's basically about boundaries and codependency. And it's just like a 10 minute video that I created and a beautiful downloadable guide that will really, cause you had asked at the top, you know, how do we know where we are on the spectrum of codependency? Well, this will absolutely conclusively tell you where you are. It helps you do an inventory in your life. So to get that, you just go to boundaryboss.me forward slash it's complicated. Ooh, love branding. Thank you for bringing (laughs) our two brands together because it certainly is complicated and we absolutely want to be some boundary bosses. So thank you so much, Terry, for joining us. Remind everyone where they can follow you on social media as well. Yep. I hang out most on Instagram, just at Terry Cole. That's T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. I also have a free huge group um, on Facebook which is the Real Love Revolution group for women, if anyone is interested in that. Um, But those are the places where I spend the most time. Well, us too. So we can relate. And thank you again so much, Terry. This was all so, so helpful. I feel like I have so much boundary work to do now. And now I have a great place to go start it. So thank everyone else for tuning in to It's Complicated. Um, And tune in next time where we're going to talk about more dating and relationshipy stuff. And don't forget to please join the class of Master Daters and follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And It's Complicated wherever you get your pods. Don't forget to rate and comment and tell a friend and you can find me at jennifer golden on all the social meets and you can follow me at lauren leonelli on all the social meets as well love you long time you're on a hot date with jennifer golden and lauren leonelli and now it's complicated